disturbance. I'm gonna go check it out. We request that everybody stays calm at the current moment. Who are you people? I wanna copy! You, 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 you are now tuned in. Five, four, three, two, one. Where love and life come together. Come together. From the Spacebird Media Studios, it's Rob and Ace Unlimited. Hey, welcome back. It's Roxanne and Ace Unlimited. Glad to be back. Hope your February is going well and you are starting to think about Valentine's. Let us be the first to put that into your little noggin because you don't want to wake up and go, oh, it's the 13th and I forgot my honey. Because, you know, it doesn't go well in our house. I don't know about yours, but we want to make sure you're okay. I don't know how you could forget that. Everywhere you go, it's Valentine's explosion. So people should know. <laughs> it is. So how was your week? Absolutely fabulous. I thought of you when AMC did the bad, bad thing that they're doing right now. Oh, my. Well, it's already bad enough with concert tickets that, you know, like floor seats are like, you know, a bazillion dollars. But the nosebleeds are 10 cents. Like, that's crazy to me. But now AMC is looking to do the same. So if you want to sit in the middle section, it's going to be like another $5, $8, and then the upper deck and the sides are going to be cheaper, which in a day and age where I feel like it never really gained momentum outside of maybe seeing Top Gun, I don't think really people rushed to the theater after the pandemic. And they're still having trouble getting people to stay in for the big draws, and they're hoping that they make enough. But movies are streaming earlier now. People have better home theater systems. Like, there's a ton of things that are keeping people from the theaters. So I'm taking the Roxanne and Wayne approach. Find a local mom and pop theater if it's a two cinema or a four cinema screen. Go and support them because they're going to keep the same price. Some of them have the five dollar Tuesdays. Like that stuff is legit, and I'm just kind of over it. Like I'm tired of being ten dollar to death. It's enough that to get some popcorn is, you know, $15, but then you, I mean, we want to go back to the theaters. Why make it more difficult? Let's fill the theaters and then maybe you raise the prices. I don't get it. And I know you have a big gripe with the Grammys. So I, so, okay. First of all, when the Grammys have come and gone, I don't usually watch the, you know, presentations or the acceptance speeches. I wait till the list comes out of all the winners and the nominees. And then I go through each category and listen to the albums to get a flavor of what music has been doing over the last year. Some of it I maybe already knew about, maybe not, but this year, Bonnie Raitt winning for song of the year and beating out Taylor Swift and Harry Styles and blowing everybody's mind over the fact of who is this unknown artist? I'm like, what, what rock have you been living under? Where are your parents? And why didn't they teach you about classic blues and rock? I mean, let's give them something to talk about. I mean, you saw her live. I mean, she's an amazing musician, one of the greatest guitarists of all time. And it's just blowing my brain that nobody, that people not only are complaining because, you know, Swifty didn't win, but they're not taking the time to educate themselves and go, oh, an artist I've never heard of. If she just won a Grammy, clearly she's talented and the song will move you to tears. I listened to it and I was done. I was like, yeah, that's why she won. Like the whole, the whole Grammy committee was probably, uh, give it to her. Uh, <laughs> like I, it was, it, it wrecked me, man. 
Well, it's somewhat like the Oscars for me, the Grammys, because I like to watch the outfits. And Cardi B had this swirling blue number that was just sensationally gorgeous. And then there's Taylor Swift. Her outfit looked like her album, Midnight Blue with little sparkles all over it, like the sky. And she's so Mm -hmm. elegant. It was gorgeous. Yeah, the outfits I can see where that's a big deal, especially, (laughs) you know, when you're looking for outfits to go with each wig. So you want to be able to go, yes, yes, no, yes. But all right. So my beeps are out of the way. I feel better. (laughs) It's time for Roxanne and Ace Unlimited. So it's time for us to talk about suffering. Oh, what a topic. I've already had enough of that. Don't give me any (laughs) more. A pastor out of Virginia, Austin Hamrick, says there are three reasons why God allows for trials and suffering. The first, he says, is that God wants to help his followers be mature. Who was it, Ace? We had a guest once that said, get that bottle out of your mouth, milk, and and really let's start eating a cheeseburger. Let's grow up a little bit and, and not look at God as a Santa Claus, and we can give him a list of what we want and he's to provide it. You know, we grow closer and we cling to him when we're hurting. It just makes sense. He doesn't want us to depend on us. He wants us to depend on him. Yeah. I've, I've heard it referred to this year as gumball God. Like we put the quarter in, we turn it and we go, Oh, I wanted a cherry one. Whether it's he gave you a gumball, you, that's what you asked for, but we, it's not the color we wanted. It's not the flavor we wanted. I mean, we can't just, go to God when we want something, thank him for the things that we have. And then once you feel thankful for the things that you have, you might find that your list of wants is diminished because you're like, I have more than enough. Exactly. The second reason God allows trials is to correct people. Now that sounds a little odd. It's like, is God really cranking my neck? But let's face it. Sometimes suffering needs to happen. So we stop the course that we're on that is dishonoring to him, ourselves, or to others. Yeah, and I think, too, when you start to think about how deep your faith is, look at where you were this time last year. You know, I know for a lot of us, you know, getting ready for Lent is a matter of giving up something so that we can get closer to God. Well, maybe it's also a matter of picking something up. Maybe it's, you know, more scripture, or maybe it's lunch with a friend who's, you know, seen a little life and been where you are now and can kind of speak into that so that a year from now, you're not having the same struggles, the same pains, and you have grown closer in that walk with God. And he also says it's to direct people. Sometimes God allows difficulties to redirect us for a season. This is what he did with Paul in the books of Acts. He redirected Paul's course. He used a winter storm to do it. So then, look at the pattern of this. So then, Paul was redirected. He shipwrecked so he could be healed by the power of the Holy Spirit. So it just makes you wonder how many things course corrections have we had that Mm -hmm. we look at as difficulties so God can get us to the point where he can heal us. It's really pretty amazing to think about. Yeah, absolutely. And I know that when that healing begins, our communication gets better, especially with our spouses, because there are certain things you should and should not say to them. And let us be the first to lift that veil for you this week. Yeah. One of the biggies is you never, and you always it's accusatory, and it immediately puts that person in a defensive mode. Yeah. Well, and you can't talk to them like you're a teenager. 
Like that's to, to me, the, the things that are on this list, it's like, I'm talking to my teenage daughter, you know, and it's whatever, or I hate when you, you know, like, I mean, or you stomp off. I mean, that doesn't like, at, at, this is men. I'm going to speak to the men for a second. When your wife says something is going on in her life, your only response should be, babe, how can I help? And if she says, that's good, you can't, I just, I have to deal with it and I don't want to, but thank you for listening. Like that puts you in a place of compassion. And if she does give you something to do, then do it, you know, and it's not a matter of the honeydew list. It's a matter of the heart do list so that you have an opportunity to really take some weight off of her. If I can lighten my wife's load, happy wife, happy life. And I, and then I've filled my <laughs> mouth with the things I should say. I don't have time to say the things that I shouldn't. Whatever. That's one of those teen statements. I hate it when you, oh. yeah. yeah, that, that will immediately just cause romance. Won't it? My friend's wife or my friend's oh. husband. Oh, and don't say and you sound like your mother. Don't say that. Listen, you say anything to me about being like my mom and dad. That's not a positive uh, for others. It may be positive for me. It's yeah. not. Relationships already have enough triggers. If you're loading the bullets, <laughs> something's something's bound to take over at some point. It's going to backfire. Well, Ace, there is a very special contest going on. I want you and I to head immediately to the beach. All right. And look for a mermaid because Chicken of the Sea is offering $1 million to anybody who can find a real live mermaid. And Ari Burke, the professor of myth and folklore at Central Michigan University, is the one who will judge if you have presented a video of a real mermaid. Now, you know, I can go and buy a fin and, you know, get off. I've got plenty of wigs. Mm -hmm. We could work that out now. A million could be put to good use. Well, and the movie, you know, they're doing the live action Little Mermaid soon. So, you know, you know, it, it, it's all the, uh, everybody's going to be dressing like a mermaid because this thing's like <laughs> taken over just with the trailer alone. So, you know, we'll all be a million dollars richer by the time it's over with. Well, you know, obviously they're not going to find a real life mermaid, but if they don't, they're going to give a million dollars to food banks. And I think that is just a mm. super cool and cute promotion. And of course we're helping to promote something that, you know, we're not being paid to promote, but I just think it's super cute. Next week. It'll be look for a unicorn <laughs> who's farting rainbows. Yeah. It's like, <laughs> $1 million. Gosh, Ace. <laughs> the absurdity. I, I, love I mean, that. cause like, I don't know if you've ever played the lottery, but like I, the closest to it I ever got, was going to like this little casino in Indiana and I won like 80 bucks playing blackjack because I'm just not a chance gambler kind of guy. So when I think about a million dollars for the person who finds a mermaid, it's like winning the lottery. Cause in my head and for anybody who's <laughs> listening, who's won the lottery, yay, <laughs> keep it under wraps. Don't tell nobody, but it's one of those where it's just impossible. Like, you know, there is no get rich quick scheme you have to work hard and let God provide for you. So I just, I have to laugh at the people who are frantically running to the beach to go find a mermaid. Well, I'm the odd one that goes to Vegas and doesn't bet a thing the whole time I'm there. Doesn't do a slot, doesn't do any of it. So, so I'm with you, you on that kind of thing. You go and you go to the shows and you walk around and you see the lights and you take a lot of pictures and you go to a conference. I went there for conferences several times. 
That's my excuse too. Yeah, I went to a conference. I really did. It was training for, remember when there was a muscular dystrophy telethon with Jerry oh, yeah. Lewis? Remember that growing up? Well, mm -hmm. I, at one point, hosted one of the local segments, and the training was in Vegas with Jerry. It was pretty cool. Wow. Did you meet him? <laughs> oh, yeah. And this? he was, he got, oh, oh, I'll show you the picture. I wish I had it with me right now, but it's on my wall because it's Jerry Lewis. And he is so hilarious. He grabs you. He puts his face right in your face. He makes faces. And he thanks you a lot when you're doing that. He loved, loved, loved his kids. He called them his mm. kids. So yeah, it's yeah. a great memory. That's How right. not to smell like smoke. Well, you know what? No, Jesus. I want to take a moment for those of you who are discouraged, for those of you who are trying to go it alone, for those of you trying to make life happen with your own strength. There's Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. There they are from Daniel 3, 26 through 27. You know, these were the Hebrew men that went into the fire because they were not going to denounce their God. And who was in the fire? And I think this is an important point, Ace. They were in the midst. Now, Jesus could have stood outside while they were burning. Right. But he got into the midst of it with them. And I don't know, maybe this is kindergarten for a lot of people or, or early Sunday school. But it just struck me the other day that Jesus is in the midst of our trouble, the fire, the smoke. He is in it with us, which brings mm -hmm. me great comfort. And then to realize we're going to come out without being scathed. Well, and when you go in and you read about, you know, all the temptations and all the things that Jesus didn't fall susceptible to when he was here on earth, that was him getting a taste of the flesh so that he can, on our behalf, go to God and go, here's what they're feeling. Here's what they're thinking. Here's how it, this is. I, I know it. I felt it. I lived it. And so he's walking in the valley with you. I think we've maybe heard this millions of different ways or, or times, but, you know, the teacher is the quietest during the test. So when you're going through your test, you, you know the answers. You just have to go on what you know about God's Word. And even if you're new in your faith, even in the infancy scriptures like, you know, Rackshack and Benny, or if you're John 3.16 or whatever, <laughs> lean on those scriptures, even if it's all you can recall when you're going through something. But he's going to—he's walking through the fire with me. He's walking through the fire with me. Because you come out on the other side, and clothes might be a little singed, but you're not going to come out naked. He's still going to take care of you and <laughs> cover you, you know, and, and you'd be like, all right, let's not go back that way. I want to keep moving forward and see where God has taken me because he brought me through this. Why wouldn't he be taking me to something? Ooh, that's powerful. I love it. Well, you know, it wouldn't be a show if we didn't mention TikTok. I hope we still have time to do that because, you know, I'm a little TikTok obsessed. I'm trying to enjoy it before mm -hmm. they take it away from us. But there are health trends on there. Some that we should pay attention to and others that we shouldn't. Among those that they give a big yes and a high five to is called the hot girl walk. So you can, so the hot girl. Is, is this how walking. you got a thousand viewers? Is you did a hashtag <laughs> no, hot girl walking? Is that how you got on there? <laughs> no, I'm telling Jesus stories on there. Ace, what are oh, you talking about? Gotcha. But the hot girl walk is appealing. You know what? you're supposed to be thinking about when you take the hot girl walk, number one, things that you're grateful for. Mm -hmm. 
Number two, your goals and how you're going to achieve them. And number three, how hot you are. I have a feeling if you're thinking about how hot you are, you walk a little cool. You know, like the Denzel Washington strut. Have you ever noticed yeah. in some movies, he has a strut yeah, he going has on? A- he has a, a strut and a stammer. I'll tell you, one of my favorite TikTokers who takes us on many walks and contemplates life and just calls it like it is, is Valerie Bertinelli. And I love, or or the real Wolfie's mom, because Wolfie, you know, Wolfgang, it's her son. Uh, she has gone through some stuff and, you know, she's been, you know, body shamed and she's battled depression and lots of things like that. And so a lot of things people can identify with and it, it trends like crazy, but I love her perspective on life because she's just in that place of your opinion doesn't matter. And I'm the best version of me and I'm going to always be working on me, not for your benefit, but for my benefit, for my son's benefit. For my kitty cat, she's got like a million kitty cats, which I think is awesome. Uh, I don't want a million kitty cats, but I can live vicariously <laughs> through Valerie. But I think that's the great thing. So, you know, the hot girl walking can be that. It can be the the walk of serenity where you're just like, I'm getting through this season of my life. And if you're there, let's also walk this part of it together, too. I love it. And I love Valerie. And you know what I noticed with what she posted today, because you and I are both following across Plain as day, pretty great. I love seeing that. So things we shouldn't do, trends we should not follow on TikTok include the internal shower. I was like, oh, what does that mean? It means you take chia seeds. I'm not going to give the exact formula should someone feel like they need to rush out and do this. You put a little lemon juice in it. You let the drink sit for 10 to 15 minutes, and it is supposed to clean your pipes to where constipation is a word that is never in your vocabulary again. Problem is, works like a whistle. You're clean for some people, but for others, uh, well, you don't want to be in the room with them after they've had their internal Lord help us. This is the world we live in now. Like, I remember as a kid, our friends going, hey, watch this. And then something bad was about to happen. Where yes. now it happens on social media and millions of people are are in the emergency room or, you know, you, you see the blooper reel of things shooting out of places that it shouldn't be shooting out of. Careful, careful. And the other thing is mouth taping. Now, before you're absolutely horrified, by the thought of that. A lot of people have issues trying to get themselves to breathe. You're supposed to breathe out of your nose at night and not be a mouth breather where you get all dried up. And then there are the snores. And I don't want to say too much about snoring because it has it has really been a trauma in our house for a while. Right. Well, because it goes on, I'm not going to say who does it. But preventing mouth breathing is is a thing taping your mouth shut only Mm -hmm. they say yeah for some people it's okay for others oh guess what it does it takes your facial hair right off and it does damage to the skin around your mouth the doctors are saying please don't tape your mouth shut at night and if you sleep apnea it could be fatal yeah see i'm already like part claustrophobic anyway i don't need something to constrict breathing. But I did learn a tip. If, if TikTok is good for anything, you learn the thing, like, you know, you're today years old when you learn, I learned two things this week, the ridges on a cracker 
actually are supposed to cut your cheese slices. So that way you can like, right. Very handy. Very handy. And the other thing is, have you ever had that? Or I I will say, I think we all have, you've had that just as you're drifting off to sleep and then you, and you have like that, that hiccup. Okay. Apparently. And again, this is TikTok, not scientific, not Roxanne and Ace Unlimited staple of authenticity. <laughs> but apparently that is when your brain thinks that you're dying. So it jolts you awake what? because your body is relaxing faster than your brain is. So which is why, like when people do prayer and meditation before bed, you're supposed to relax your mind before your body so that that doesn't happen. Because how many times have you been jolted awake or, you know, Wayne is jolted awake and then you're awake and then you're like, Oh my gosh, you scared me. You know, and then then there's that whole thing. And you're like, well, I'm awake now. And then you're back on TikTok for three hours. You now know. we know why. Yep. My goodness. The answers to a lot of mysteries. I, I need these tidbits from you, Ace. Please continue. A big tidbit from us is the Roxanne blend of coffee from mybrotherscup.com. We love it. I got to pick it out. The owner, Mike Pittman, when he was alive, I met him and he showed me how he was going to very dangerous places all around the world with missionaries and people were getting saved right and left. I couldn't stop crying. And he said, you are so special. I want to name a coffee after you. I was like, no, you can't. You can't do that. You're going to do that. Mm -hmm. And it's one of their top sellers. It is delicious and I think it smells wonderful, and they've kept the bag so economical. I keep telling them, raise the price on that, on that coffee, because yeah. it all goes to spread the gospel. But it's wonderful if you haven't tried it. Roxanne Blend. And, and you can win a bag of it right now with our official Roxanne and Ace Unlimited Coffee Mug. If you go to our website, RoxanneAndAce.com. Uh, you can also find us on Facebook and follow us as well. But if you click through to the link, then you can immediately register. And then by the end of the month, we'll call out a winner and we'll let you know. And then we'll have future contests and things like that. But I love as people have been entering, the entries have been them fluffing up how much they already love the coffee. So a lot of them that are entering are because they've already tried it. And then others are like, oh yeah, I've always wanted to try this. So the, there, it, it goes on both sides of the coin, but just the inundation has been great. So uh, check us out, RoxanneAndAce.com. Also remember this week, again, follow us on Facebook, subscribe where you're listening to this podcast so that you'll catch future episodes. And you can also call us and voicemail anytime, text at 659 659- 236-1300. That's 659-236-1300 with Roxanne and Ace Unlimited. Welcome to our podcast. We're so happy to have you with us. And this moment is super important. It's super important to God. It's super important to us. Those that have been victimized by sex trafficking. It is a horrible crime. It must be stopped. And the expert we're about to have on is one of the people in this world I admire most. His whole life is dedicated to rescuing those who have been entrapped by this crime of sex trafficking. He's been doing this a long time. When I say in the trenches, involved in actual rescues, cradling women whose hearts have been broken numerous times. And I see the love and I see the devotion and he's starting his own ministry, Elam, which is going to be a massive shelter on many acres. And he's putting this all together now with a website and, and contributions coming in. It's wonderful to talk to someone in the trenches 
fighting against sex trafficking. And we welcome to the show our great friend, Heath Holifield. Thank you. It's an honor to How be you here. How you been, man? Been doing great. Been staying busy. Very busy. I bet. And I, I know that uh, for many, I mean, obviously, we know what it's like for us in our own local city, but... Uh, what are some of the things that if we're trying to find or, or see signs of people who are maybe trafficked and we don't know it, what are some things that we can be looking for? Well, a lot of times, uh, you know, they'll just look like depressed or disheveled. They look down a lot. They're not allowed to look up, especially when their trafficker is around. Um, and, you know, you can just kind of feel that there's something wrong i've been told you know like if, you know if you feel like something's wrong then you're good it usually is and um if you're discerning that this person is being controlled in some sort of way it, it's probably human trafficking so heath in your experience with this how really does this begin because a lot of people are thinking the girls are being abducted snatched on street corners I mean, really, how does this come about? And I know that's like a three-hour-long conversation, but help us to understand. Yeah, the, the nutshell version of that is, you know, Hollywood says it's like the movie Taken, which is like the abduction, like you're talking about. You know, and I think people are people as a society, you know, tend to see it as pretty woman or, um, you know, how, how they might have looked on Miami Vice, you know, how it looked on the streets back then on those shows. Um, but what it really looks like, <clears throat> it's it's really um, just it's slavery in plain sight is, is what it really is. And and so really how it kind of starts is what I call push factors. And those are certain factors that a person uh, usually as a child experiences with their family or from society traumatic events that cause them to feel separated and not accepted. And so they feel disconnected. And so when they when they feel disconnected and not accepted, that's kind of like being separated from the herd, which makes you more vulnerable to predators. And predators don't come in looking like predators. Predators come in looking like your friends, the wolves in sheep's clothing. And that's that's how it happens. They come in and they build friendships and relationships and they build trust which is one of the things narcissists do, like you mentioned. And so that's that's really how it happens. And so it's a grooming process, which basically they're just building that trust. And then by the time they've got their full trust, then they set the trap and then they're trapped. A lot of times, Heath, they're offered drugs and then they have to work off the price of those drugs and then their belongings are taken, and then they have no ID, and then they're threatened. And so it's this cycle that you mentioned that escalates. When you have been in an actual rescue, what is that like? Um, it's, it's pretty exhilarating a lot of times because there's always the danger factor. Um, I remember the very first one I ever did, I had a female friend with me. Um, and we pulled into the parking lot and she was able to discern that the car in front of us was the trafficker of the of the woman that we were there to help and get off the street. And so um, he had a female with him and he got out of the driver's seat and she got out of the passenger seat and she went around to the driver's seat and this guy got out. And I'm six foot two. And this guy was like six foot five. He had pistols in the back of his pocket. So it can be extremely dangerous. And 
the average victim is worth 250 grand a year. So it's basically the equivalent of you trying to take a briefcase full of $250,000 away from a person. So and so the they're not going to react well, obviously. Right. They're not going to, re and they see heat, then they don't want to mess with you, but guns are guns. And so we're talking about somebody guarding what they consider their property. Correct. Exactly. And because of the danger of this, like, let's say me, who's not in the trenches like you are, if I recognize all of the things that you're saying in someone, I need to get in touch with you or with someone within a ministry within my community that helps with that because you guys are prepared. Like, I, I wouldn't feel comfortable enough to just go, hey, let me take you the to the shelter. Like, that would, because then that puts me and my family in danger for all the things that you're saying. Correct. Correct. Yeah. You really have to know to be able to how to navigate those particular scenarios and, and situations. You've got to, you know, know when to stop and, and know when to go. And really the, the number one thing I always say is just to always keep things de-escalated and never let things escalate. That's the number one thing. And when you say that, please explain. To be able to not um, allow things to escalate, you know, you don't go in there acting like, it's my way or the highway. You just kind of walk in and just, you know, just kind of start talking to them. And that's that's just kind of how you do it. You just build a conversation and you really don't let them know, especially the trafficker, you don't let them know why you're there. You're just the average person just walking up, just having to strike up a conversation. And and then you just kind of navigate from there. You just it's a um, case by case basis, really. You would need to get special training, obviously, to do that. We're not advocating you be a heath and go into some of these situations. But thank the Lord, there are people trained to do that. And it's really, the rescues are really, really important. And we've seen a lot of that over the years. Tell me, you know, we've talked about the girl who's victimized. Tell me about the so-called John that comes to see a girl. How does that happen? Not not the trafficker, but a John, someone that comes to use a woman over, and these women are often used 30 times a day. Tell right. me about that dynamic. That really starts with porn. Um, they, they, they start out watching porn and it just builds, builds and builds and builds and then it gets to a level where porn doesn't satisfy them anymore. So then they actually have to go find somebody to do the things that they've been watching happen in the videos on porn to, to do that with. And, you know, that's not your average person. And so they go out and they, they make these purchases and these women just get abused. It's not like what, you know, society has been um, taught to believe that it is, like we were talking about earlier. It's much, much um, more violent and brutal than what people think it is. Well, and child pornography fuels the need in somebody to find a young victim. And when we were in Birmingham, the FBI pulled a 13-year-old out of one of those motels. Yes. 13 years old. Remember that. I remember that. I remember back in 2017, there was a 16-year-old down in um, one of the areas that we go to that was um, we reported it on a Friday night, and the FBI went in on a Monday morning and got her out. 
So Heath, obviously the idea of even trying to find someone in someone's local community that could help them in this situation, what's the best way for them to even find out if there's, because I'm sure now with as widespread as it is, there are ministries and churches that are trying to help in some capacity, but what's the best route, I guess, incognito without searching it on Google and then God forbid, you see a million things that are awful that are tied to those phrases. But how can people find a local ministry or a local organization to help? Yeah, I would I would say, especially like you were saying, if if you think you saw it, I would I would Google for a ministry that's in your area and then reach out to them and contact them and talk to them about it. You know, discuss what you saw, have a conversation. You know, you might even give them addresses if you know where it is, so they can go research and then possibly report it to law enforcement that they're probably already connected to in that local area. You know, law enforcement, local law enforcement is very well versed now. They didn't used to be in human trafficking. They know what to do and how to respond. So you can always call 911 and report what you see. Please do that. That's somebody's mother, daughter, child. And if you suspect it and it isn't happening, then at least you took the time to report it. One really innovative way that people get phone numbers to agencies. I've seen where they make little chapsticks for the women with emergency phone numbers, and then they can put that inside their bra or put that inside their pocket because these women a lot of times will get beaten if their captor knows they're talking to someone in ministry or with a rescue organization because, as Heath mentioned earlier, brilliantly, each woman is worth about $250,000 a year. He is very committed to keeping her in his realm and in his control. Correct. And it pretty much do anything to, to maintain that. Because, you know, the reason we say it's $250,000 a year, like drugs, you can only sell that one time. That's a one-time deal. But this is repetitive residual income. And that's why, that's why they're so um, valuable to these traffickers. And Heath, you're a man of God. You're an evangelist. And in your research and talking to God, which you do like Ace all day long, that's one thing you guys have in common. Heath is talking to God all day long. He has shown you where the root of a lot of this trafficking has to do with the spiritual realm, spiritual warfare, and even narcissism. I know we need a lot more time, but if, if you could capsulize that for us, I think it would be great. <clears throat> yeah, because, well, well, trafficking technically really is, is it's satanic and demonic. First and foremost, it's satanic and then demonic. And um, really, narcissism is just a psychological word for evil. And narcissist is a psychological word for devil. And, and technically, the, the layman's general, easy-to-understand term of what um, trafficking is, is to have a person's vulnerability be exploited. And we're all Romans 3.23. We've all sinned and fallen short, so we've all had our vulnerabilities exploited at one point or another, some worse than others. And obviously, these victims is much worse than most people. And so that's where, where it really stems from. It stems from the devil himself, and, it, and it's just evil. You know, what God has really shown me um, that, you know, Elam, you know, is out of Exodus 15, 27. It's part of the story of Moses. And, you know, I've been doing this for 13 years, as you know. And only in the past 
five or six months, God revealed to me that Pharaoh in the story of Moses was a human trafficker because if you're on slaves, you're a human trafficker. And the Israelites were human trafficking victims. And so that's why, you know, I didn't know that when God gave me the name Elam um, years ago before I knew it was going to be a shelter, but I didn't know what it was going to be for exactly. Um, Elam was the second place that the Israelites stayed on their way out of Egypt after they crossed the Red Sea. And it had 70 palm trees and 12 wells. And um, it was a place where the waters were sweet, you know, so it was kind of like an oasis. And um, it was a place for them to get rest. And that's that's why God gave me the name. But he gave me that long before he ever revealed to me that Pharaoh was a human trafficker and the Israelites were trafficking victims. And, you know, as long as I've been living, I've never heard that said from the pulpit. And that's how I know it's from God. So without saying names or city locations, what's a story of redemption and saving that always sticks out as like, you know, God, give us more opportunities like this. Uh, that's an easy one to pick out. And um, so we were at a motel one day and um, me and a buddy of mine, we were with this outreach group and this was very, very early days. This was, was Alabama's um, first ever human trafficking outreach. And so uh, week one, we pulled in and we parked kind of out of the front of the parking lot. And we noticed a lot of the women that were cracking the doors and, you know, looking through the curtains to see who's coming in. It might be a possible customer where well, we weren't able to reach them that particular day because they've been trained. You know, you only speak to the people that come to the door and, you know, people that are out praying for people might possibly be people trying to get you away from us. So that's, you know, they get punished if they don't do that. So, you know, I thought I took my friend. I said, next week we'll park at the back of the parking lot. And so we did, and because um, you know the motorcycle pipes, you know, reverb in there, and so you know they, a lot of people were peeping out. But there was this one girl when we were pulling in, she was power walking to the leasing office, and as we were parking, she was power walking back. And I, we you know we were getting off our motorcycles, and I was looking at my friend, and I was you know kind of putting my hands down. I was like you know I was just trying to keep the atmosphere low key. No anxiety because we didn't want to, you know, spook her or anything. And just under my breath, I prayed for God just to make us a way to be able to reach this girl. And so in doing so, um, and, and the point of doing that was to have be able to have time for a female to come talk to her. So she walks over to the door and she starts trying to unlock it. And I didn't know why or what. So I just gently walked over to her and just the softest, gentlest voices I could. I said, ma'am. Can I help you do that? Can I help you with that door? And she turned around. She's like, yes, I would love that. So I took the key from her. And in the midst of me taking the key, she explained she had accidentally locked her key in the room and she had to go to the lease and I was to get another key. So that explained her walking up there and walking back. So here I am, big six foot two, almost 300 pounds, wearing leather and boots, just got off a big black Harley. I'm thinking this would be easy. Open up the door is easy. That door would not open for anything at all. So I'm getting frustrated and I'm, I'm messing with the door. Well, this allowed time for one of my female friends ended up being two or three to walk over, minister to the girl, pray for her. The girl was crying. You know, I felt, felt like she was really being touched by God. And so in doing so, I could tell they were kind of doing, I, I got so frustrated. I handed my friend the key. I was like, here, take it. I'm, I'm so frustrated. My friend touched the door, didn't even put the key in it and the door popped open. So hindsight, looking back, I realized God himself was keeping that door from being opened, that the closed door to the hotel room actually created an open door of opportunity to reach the girl. 
Long story short, a year later, we're standing in the uh, opening of that same parking lot, and this little girl comes pulling up in this little car and jumps out and starts hugging everybody. And I didn't recognize her at first because she cut her hair short. And then she started hugging on me and the woman that prayed for and a couple of the other women. And then I started to recognize her. And, and what had happened was just a few days or a week or so later, she just bumped into some woman that happened to work at a random shelter and just struck up a conversation. And the woman helped her get off the street in the shelter and she got clean and she's still clean. And guess what? Today, she's actually working as a counselor at a shelter. Wow. Amazing God. Amazing. And Heath, you are the vehicle that God used you and others who care enough to do something about an insidious crime that really ruins people's lives and and often they don't live through it. It is just horrendous. And I, I can't tell you how much we appreciate you just sharing from the front lines what this fight is like. Thank you. We appreciate your time, man. Thanks so much. And uh, keep doing what you're doing. We're praying for you. And uh, we look forward to more victory stories. Thank you. Thank you. I love y'all's show. I'm praying for the show. I love what y'all do. So Heath, what an amazing job he's doing in just helping to educate us on the ways that we can really help. And I know that that's something that's close and near and dear to your heart, you know, every Monday in the streets trying to make a difference. And so uh, very important to understand that it's not, we can't just turn a blind eye. We got to do something about this. That it's here. It's a crime. It's very, very serious. And it must be stopped in the name of Jesus. I, you know, when we do this show, I feel like it's two minutes. And it's time to say goodbye. How'd that happen? Yeah, it, it does. It, we, we bleak. I think it's because we're getting older. You know, we, we, it's it's with every gray hair, I'm I'm feeling it. It's it's time ticking away. I don't have uh, any grays. That's mm. true. You don't. You look good. <laughs> but thanks for listening. Thanks for subscribing and streaming and sharing on all your platforms. Tell your friends and make sure you join us each and every Friday. Again, find us at RoxanneandAce.com. Have a great week. Thanks again to My Brother's Cup. And as always, I love you. You've been listening to Roxanne and Ace Unlimited. To make sure you don't miss future shows, you can subscribe anywhere you like to podcast and catch up on anything you've missed. Find out more at RoxanneandAce.com. Roxanne and Ace Unlimited is a production of Spacebird Media.